If you guys want to open to Matthew 18, that's where we'll start uh, this morning, this afternoon. I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 21 something Jesus had to say to give us a picture of a teaching. And Jesus did that a lot. Um, He used pictures to convey ideas. But it starts with a question that Peter had for him. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, Lord, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. The idea or the concept of forgiveness is complicated. Um, it carries implications with it. And one of those implications is there's, there's debt, right? There's something owed. Um, if there's no debt, if there's nothing owed, there can't be forgiveness, right? In fact, it's even in, in this picture Jesus gives, it's a monetary thing that's happening. You know, Peter asks a question, you know, if my brother sins against me, How many times do I forgive? And Jesus tells a story about money to explain forgiveness. Um, It is a financial uh, concept. In fact, we even use the term debt forgiveness today, right? People who have student loans want debt forgiveness. People who have mortgages want debt forgiveness, right? It's it's a monetary term. Um, But forgiveness isn't just complicated in concept, right? And I guess maybe I don't mean complicated, I mean complex, right? There's this idea of debt, and how did the debt come about, and who owes who what, and how do you pay it, right? It's complex in that way, but it's also complicated by emotions, right? We complicate it even further than it already is complex. Um, Why is it so hard to forgive? The only 
the only answer to that question is an emotional answer. Because the mechanics of forgiveness are as easy as anything. It's, it's, it's as easy as breathing, right? You don't even have to move a muscle to forgive. But it's hard because of the emotions that are tied up with it, right? Um, sometimes it's hard because the wound hasn't healed, right? And it's, it's not a physical wound, right? If it was merely a physical wound, yeah, okay, you're forgiven, it's going to heal. I can see it's healing now. It's starting to heal. But it's an emotional wound. And it's hard for us to forgive because that wound hasn't healed, right? Or maybe it's that the wound has... It's not that the wound hasn't healed, it's that the culprit right, didn't play a big enough role in healing that wound. Maybe it's been five years or ten years and you know, I don't feel emotionally hurt anymore but I'm not going to forgive that person because they didn't play a role in healing that. Right? Strictly an emotional thing. It has nothing to do with mechanics. You know, self-help programs and psychologists, I googled this yesterday, man, they are just full, full of just some of the strangest ideas about forgiveness. I mean, they run the spectrum. The gamut, of course, as humans will on anything because we're fickle, right? We're not God. So when you ask a human about something, you ask enough of them, you're going to get this wide spectrum. And there are people out there who say, yeah, you have to forgive everything. And then there's people out here who say, you don't forgive anything because it's all about you. Um, That forgiveness can be earned or it should be earned, right? There's that idea is out there. You don't forgive until someone's merited it um, or worked hard enough, right? Um, It's all over the place. Um, You know, fortunately, we don't have to go look through all that mess to try to discern what real forgiveness is. We don't have to go read everything that every psychologist or self-help book has written about forgiveness to know what is the right kind of forgiveness and what's the right way to do it, or even if we have to do it, or how it works. Because the I am that we studied about this morning has already demonstrated forgiveness. And when he demonstrates something, there's nothing more to be said about it. We just follow the example. So how has he demonstrated it? What does it look like? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference several passages, so get ready to flip, flip in your Bibles. All of these passages coming up except one are in the New Testament. Um, I'll give you some time to turn there because I don't want you to take my word for this. But we're going to just read through five passages here, rapid fire. Romans three twenty three. I'm reading it out of context. I'm not reading any of the context around it. It's a statement. Romans three twenty three. Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the debt. There's who's in debt? All. All of us. Ezekiel, this is the one Old Testament passage. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. 
the person who sins, right? So now we see what this sin means. The person who sins or the soul that sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. So if all have sinned, then all should die. From those two verses, that's what we see. One, there is no righteous because we've all sinned. Ezekiel says the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself. Well, that's great. Except none of us are righteous. We've all sinned. Okay, let's go back to the New Testament now. So we're seeing the debt and we're seeing the price, right? The debt is sin. The price is your life. Okay. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 26. This is a portion of the institution of the Lord's Supper here. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So now there's a substitutionary price. It's still a life, but Jesus said his blood paid the debt for sins. Okay? Remember, what we're getting here is a picture of how God forgives, right? So we we see the debt. God is forgiving that debt through Jesus' blood. Let's read two more verses from Acts, or two more passages from Acts. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37. This is after Peter and the rest of the apostles had preached the first gospel sermon in Jerusalem. The response is this, beginning in verse 37. Now when they heard this, these are the Jews around them, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the price was paid, not in baptism, the price was paid in blood. Right? But we sort of cash in. Right? We cash in on that payment through baptism. We just read these two verses together. How can Jesus' blood be forgive for forgiveness and how can baptism be for forgiveness? It's the exact same phrase. Well, that's how God designed his forgiveness. And the final passage, the final verse is really Acts 22, verse 16. It sort of confirms these two things we put together. Acts 22, verse 16. This is Paul recounting his conversion and his salvation. Ananias says to him, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Okay, so now we have the mechanics of God's forgiveness. Straightforward, simple, right? Everyone has sinned. Everyone is in debt to God. The payment is life. The payment was made by Jesus. And we have access to that through baptism. Like I said, the mechanics of forgiveness are straightforward. They're simple. Um, So it seems easy, right? 
wasn't complicated by emotion, was it? Actually, it was. Read Hosea and tell me God didn't feel emotion about forgiveness. What about Ezekiel? There are parts of Ezekiel I don't even want to read in mixed company out loud because of the way God is describing his wife and what she's done to him. What about Jesus in the garden? Is there any emotion involved when Jesus was begging not to go through what he was about to go through? Yep. It was still complicated by emotion, but it didn't stop it from happening. What did we do? That's the question. What did we do to earn that? It happened before we were born. I mean, everyone in this room for the past 2,000 years, 1,950 years, right? It, all, it happened before we were born. So there's nothing we did. Um, maybe God just looked into the future and thought we were so good we deserved it. Well, the scripture doesn't say that. It says we've all sinned. What does God gain from it? Maybe that's another way to look at it, right? What is he profiting? Are we bringing something to God he doesn't have? Are we somehow making him more complete? Are we making him more whole? Are we making him more perfect? Are we adding anything to him? Was he incomplete before we existed? Was he not perfect then? No, he was. So we're actually not profiting him something. He makes the statement that he's gaining, right? He's gaining children. Really, what, how he profits and how he gains us is he gains a relationship with us that he wants. Now, thinking about those questions and what we've just described, how do you forgive? I mean, when I ask myself that question, it's almost a completely different topic. It has nothing to do with what we just talked about. And that's embarrassing. I forgive when somebody's earned it. I forgive when somebody deserves it, in my estimation. Not in your estimation. You might tell me they deserve it, but unless I say they deserve it, then they don't deserve it. And that's when I forget is when they deserve it. Completely separated from how God forgives. Right? Or when I've gained something. When you've paid me enough that I feel like I've hurt you enough. Right? It's cost you enough that now I'm satisfied in your payment. Then I'll forgive. Well, that's not really forgiveness, is it? You're making some kind of payment. Forgiveness costs the forgiver. Or it's not forgiveness. It costs. 
And in almost every instance of forgiveness that we fight, it's an emotional cost. So one thing about us in America here, we'll, we'll part you know, with our money, but we're not going to part with our emotion. If I can give you some money just to kind of get you away, and you'll stop bugging me, right? Just take the money and don't, don't encroach on my life. Right? Just take the money. That's a very cultural thing. It's the exact opposite in Africa. They'll give you 18 hours of their day, and, and, but you need to leave their cash alone. Right? God, if he had come to me and said, you know, you've got to work off your debt... Um, how, how big a job would that have been? I mean, he tells us in the scripture that that wasn't even possible. But we want to bind that on other people. An emotional debt can't be worked off. And we're lying to ourselves if we think it can. It has to be forgiven. You know, we have to practice forgiving like God forgives. And I mean that word practice in the sense of like something you do over and over and over, trying to get it right. I mean, sometimes we say practice because it's a way of life, right? It's how I walk. I practice this. Well, that's not the way I'm, that's not the sense I'm using it. I'm using it as like you need to say, all right, I'm going to give a shot at this and I'm going to, I'm going to learn something because I'm going to mess it up. We need to practice forgiving people exactly the way God forgave us. Where they don't deserve it, we don't demand any payment, and we actually provide the means. Did you notice that? God provided the sacrifice. He provided the life. We couldn't even provide a sacrifice We have to so desire the relationship with that person to be whole that we will provide the sacrifice for the forgiveness to happen. That's hard to do. And you look at Jesus in the garden and you know it was hard for God to do. But we have to do this. This is not like Richard's good idea for the week. So the next opportunity you have to forgive someone, when someone has wronged you, make a mental note. Put a trigger in your head right now saying the next time someone has wronged me, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to do my best. They may not deserve it. They may not feel sorry for what they've done. They may have no intention of making it right. God sacrificed his son knowing that I was going to sin 2,000 years later. If 
we're going to be like God. We need to forgive like God. And we need to hope to get from it what God wants from His forgiveness. Which is a relationship. A restored relationship. Because forgiveness isn't about justice. And it's not about payment. Those are different concepts. Forgiveness is about removing barriers in a relationship. And God saw the barriers that we had put up. And He's holy. And He's just. Perfectly holy and perfectly just. And cannot have a relationship with sin. So what did He do? He paid for it. Instead of forcing us to. We have to value other people in our life to that extent. Because that's how God values you. And actually that's how God values that person. And if we can show that kind of forgiveness in someone's life, maybe we can point to that and say that's what God has done for you too. Let's take a look at a couple more passages and then we'll be done. Let's turn back to Matthew. Look in Matthew chapter 6. And this is why I say this isn't Richard's good idea for the week. And that this is something that's necessary. (coughs) Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the end of the prayer, and then he adds some commentary. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. We can ask God all day long for forgiveness. And Jesus is crystal clear that if we don't forgive, we will not receive forgiveness. I think the the passage we read in Matthew 18 was just as clear. At the end of that, he says, So my Father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That hurts when Jesus put that phrase at the end of it. I mean, that hurt me. Like, I can forgive superficially and just be cordial. Right? I'll be polite with you from now on. But Jesus knows my heart. There's nothing I can hide. He knows if I've forgiven or not. And I have to forgive from the heart. Let's look at the passage that Josh read for us uh, this morning. Colossians 3. 
This will be the last passage we read. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. You know, even after Jesus had been crucified and buried and rose and ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit through Paul writes, Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. But if you look back in verse 12, I think you see the prerequisites for that happening. Put on a heart of compassion. You have to look at someone who's wronged you and feel compassion. That's hard to do. Because it's emotionally not what we want to do mechanics are easy you don't have to twitch move a muscle nothing right this is internal but it's very hard to do a heart of kindness you have to look at the person who's wronged you and want to be kind to them humility We have to look at the person who's wronged us and say they're more important than I am. That person matters more to me than I do. Gentleness. You have to look at that person who's wronged you and say, I want to be gentle with this person and not cause them to have a calloused heart. And not harden their heart. And I'm going to approach them in a very gentle way. Because God didn't harden my heart. And keep bringing up my sins constantly in my face. And somehow make me pay for them because I couldn't pay. And patience. Did you notice... Peter's question and Jesus' immediate answer to the question back in Matthew 18. How many times do I have to forgive my brother in a day? Or the implication is a day. Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Which means there's no limit. There's no practical limit for how many times you forgive a single individual. That's patience. And that's what Paul's writing here. We have to have a heart of compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience. Because when you forgive one time, right, hopefully it'll be easier for you to forgive the next time because you're learning how to do it. And when I say forgive, I don't mean like I was talking about myself or just sort of the superficial smooth things over, right? Make the conflict go away, and I'm calling that forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is when it costs you something. Every time it costs you something. If we do that, I don't think it's going to start costing us less. But I think we'll start identifying more with Jesus and God putting up with us. Every time we come back and say, forgive, please forgive, right? Then we'll start understanding him when we do that for other people. So remember that the Lord has forgiven you if if you have been forgiven by the Lord. I mean, I can't comprehend how anyone who hasn't been forgiven of their sins and really understands that could really ever forgive appropriately. Because this, I mean, this is hard. So you have to practice it, but you know, even, even if you could theoretically somehow figure out how to forgive perfectly the way God has forgiven, if you've never been forgiven of your sins, that's not going to get you into heaven. I mean, it's like anything else we do. When we, we, we need to put on the character of Christ. But if we pick some characteristic of Jesus and we figure out how to do that just right, that characteristic doesn't get us into heaven. We must be forgiven and then focus on putting on that character. And those of us who have been forgiven, we need to take stock of how we're doing with forgiveness. Because we may not be as forgiven as we think if we start looking at our forgiveness and how we forgive or don't forgive. So Robin's going to sing a song, and the, the purpose of this song, as we join him in singing, is to give everyone here time to think about the thoughts that we've looked at in the text this morning. And if you're a Christian and you have messed up as many times as I have in forgiveness and you need to talk to somebody, you can do that during the song, you can do that after the song, you can grab somebody's arm and just say, hey, I need to talk about this. If you're not a Christian and you need forgiveness and you recognize that apart from God you have no hope and you want to do what God has commanded you to do in confessing His Son as Lord in repenting of that sinful life and being baptized to receive His blood then let somebody here know that today. If you would, let's stand as we sing.